Hello, everyone. We are so excited to announce this year's Principles to Practice Summit on Montessori and Ecological Consciousness. Join us for this transformative summit, which brings together experts, scientists, activists, and educators to explore how Montessori education can nurture environmental stewardship in our students and cultivate a generation of sustainability leaders. Our lineup of speakers, including our keynote speaker, Robin Wall Kimmerer, will present practical strategies for seamlessly integrating Montessori principles with sustainable practices, empowering educators to foster environmentally aware and socially responsible learners. The summit will run June 17th through 19th, but tickets are available now. Head over to courses.trilliummontessori.org for more information. I'm Simi Abdullah, and I'd like to welcome you to Trillium Montessori Talks, the podcast where we dig into the theory and application of Montessori methodology in the classroom and beyond. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Letty Rising and other Trillium course creators. Our goal is to provide you with a weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can optimize the classroom experience for your students and yourself. Ready? Let's talk Montessori. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Montessori Talks. My name is Letty Rising, and we are here to talk about all things related to the Montessori elementary environment. And today, we are going to be talking about human tendencies as witnessed in the elementary child. And in this topic, I'm going to get a little bit theoretical, but I'm also going to reach into the practical as well, because it's always important to talk about both of those aspects, because theory is important. It drives our practice, but we also need to talk about our actual practice and examples and how we can relate the tendencies to the elementary child. So Maria Montessori observed that human beings did not possess the same kind of instinctual behavior that other animals do. Instead, she observed in people from various cultures throughout the world what came to be referred to as human tendencies. These human tendencies are a driving force that helps children adapt to the environments that they find themselves in in order for us to satisfy our physical and spiritual needs. These tendencies have been seen throughout human history, are common to all societies and cultures, affect human behavior, and can be witnessed throughout the lifespan, and they also drive humans to act upon their environments. And while it was once the case that human tendencies helped us adapt and survive the wilderness and when we were hunting and gathering long, long ago, now they help us to adapt and survive the social groups we find ourselves in. Human beings represent a wide range of tendencies that help children construct themselves into the adults that they will eventually become and help them to adapt to the culture in which they reside. Adults can assist in the development of human tendencies 
but it is also true that we can become an obstacle to the development and the refinement of these tendencies. Human tendencies are universal and can be observed in all cultures throughout the world. I'm going to talk about the list of tendencies and how each of them specifically relates to the elementary child. It's also worth noting here that not all of the lists of human tendencies that you see floating around online or in people's albums are exactly the same. And you're going to find some slight variations, but there's a basic you know, most of them are pretty much in alignment with each other. And sometimes those variations are just a slight word change or whatnot. So let's go through a list that I have. And again, it may not be the same as the one you have, but it should be pretty close. Let's start with orientation. Orientation is about where you are in relation to a place or even an idea Having a sense of orientation makes humans feel more secure, and it also helps us establish points of reference, particularly for young children just emerging into the world, but also for older children and adults when we find ourselves in new situations. Elementary children need to feel oriented to their environment for a few reasons. For one, It helps them feel secure and confident when understanding the immediate environment and knowing what to expect. Also, orienting a child to their environment gives them the tools and understanding they need in order to maximize their ability to navigate the environment independently. How much easier it must be for a student who's had a guide walk them around the classroom show them where everything is located and know exactly where to find what they need versus the child who's brought into a classroom with an underlying assumption that they will automatically know what to do. It might sound obvious, and yet it is often the case that explicit orientation goes to the wayside and children are often left to discover their surroundings themselves. And this isn't the end of the world. I mean, the children are not going to suffer from this, but ultimately it means that the period of confusion and disorientation is going to last longer and the movement towards independence is going to be lengthened. You as the adult will want to carve out some time, especially at the beginning of the school year, to orient your students to their environment so that they know where to find what they need and where to put things away. You will orient them to important landmarks inside of the classroom, like the soap dispenser, the pencil sharpener, the supply shelf, the recycling, as well as outside, the gardening tools, sidewalk chalk, ball storage. Helping them feel oriented helps aid in their ability to construct themselves. And that's what we're aiming for in the elementary environment. We want them to construct themselves and to become independent, self-directed, and happy people. Another tendency to talk about is exploration. In order to hunt and gather, the first humans needed to explore their environment for food. These first explorations were often initiated as a result of people needing to satisfy their fundamental needs for food, clothing, shelter, and etc., However, people not only want to explore for reasons that are due to mere survival, people also want to explore, to learn, and understand the world around them, 
which is motivated by a deep curiosity that many people have of the world around us and beyond. We now also explore intellectually, emotionally, and artistically. We use the knowledge from our explorations to construct ourselves and to help construct society and culture around us. When considering elementary children, they are no longer only content with exploring their immediate environment. They want to explore the wide world. Exploration in the elementary years can look like field trips or going out opportunities. While field trips are most often adult-initiated and directed and involve the entire class, going outs are student-initiated and directed and usually involve a handful of students who are interested in learning more about a particular topic. And let's not forget their intellectual, emotional, and artistic explorations within the classroom environment as they discover new information, different ways of expressing themselves, and even a new artistic technique to add to their creativity toolkit. Another tendency is observation. Just as we adults want to observe our surroundings before jumping in, your students will want to do so as well. They will want to observe lessons and the work of others for inspiration. This is one of the beautiful aspects of the Montessori elementary environment. The work of the children is on display for others to see, and this, along with lessons, sows lots of seeds of interests and even understanding. How often has it been the case that you're presented a lesson to a child the first time only to see that they've already developed an understanding. This has happened to me quite a few times as a teacher. I will have given a lesson that a child might have been hovering over my shoulder or watching other children do. And then when the day comes that I give them the lesson, they pretty much already know what to do and are showing me how to do it. This is because they have the opportunity to observe daily. And these observations, whether conscious or unconscious, stimulate the brain, and develop connections. One way in which observation is built into cosmic education is through science experiments. Children conduct experiments and observe what happens. And if you're in need of some great science experiment ideas, MontessoriLaboratory.com has some engaging experiments to try. Let's talk about abstraction now. One of the first things that people tend to notice about the Montessori approach is the beautiful didactic materials that are colorful and largely made of wood. However, it is important to recognize that these beautiful materials are a means to an end rather than the end goal themselves. We use them as a bridge from the concrete to the abstract. We start the children with these materials that they can manipulate with their hands and they eventually move from material manipulation to manipulating numbers in their minds, moving from concretized math work and eventually to using algorithms that can be calculated on paper or even mental math. So we are taking the children from the concrete materials to abstract. And abstraction is a, something that we see in the elementary environment all the time. We want to take the concrete and move it into the mind and they can manipulate ideas and thoughts and numbers and figures and words in their minds over time. Another activity, and it was hard to choose a word for this section, excuse me, another human tendency 
is activity or work or manipulation or movement. I could have could have picked any of those words. I'm just going to stick with activity for the moment. They have all been used at one time or another, and they all apply. One of Montessori's key conclusions is that children learn from their own activities. This is in contrast to the old paradigm where children were expected to sit passively at desks as the teacher lectured as a way of conveying information. Children are active learners, and in Montessori classrooms, children manipulate materials with their hands to develop an understanding of concepts. Maria Montessori observed that physical movement and work are how children learn best and prepared an environment designed for children to be active. Using the hand and mind together is how children create. This is how they construct themselves. It is a huge aspect of the Montessori elementary environment, but it's also an important aspect in adulthood. People want to be moving and active, and this is how people learn best. And we like to incorporate our head, our hands, and our heart in all the work that we do. It is the case that some people don't, and I think that that means that there might have been some sort of an obstacle in their development, or there could be a temporary obstacle that is preventing that from happening because Maria Montessori observed that most people want to be active. Most people want to work. Another human tendency is imagination. The elementary child can imagine what life was like long ago or what the future might look like. They can use their imagination to create stories and to imagine how to use a material abstractly. Early life was hard for humans. They had to hunt for food, and sometimes that took them far, far away from home. Eventually, someone thought of a way to capture animals without chasing after them, maybe by digging a big hole and covering it and waiting for an animal to fall in. This imagining led to the first animal traps, or maybe they lived in such inhospitable conditions that it was freezing cold and they wanted to keep warm. They saw that animals had fur and imagined that they could use the animal fur to keep themselves warm. This kind of imagination led to the first clothing. Imagination is a big part of life in our world because all of the things today that we see around us are inspired or were at once inspired by somebody imagining their reality. Imagination is a huge part of the second plane as they not only like to imagine what happened a long time ago and even what will happen one day in the future, they also love to use their imagination through writing of stories, creating plays, writing poetry. They have lots of ways they love to exercise their imagination, and you will see them doing that in the elementary classroom all day, every day. At least somebody is exercising their imagination. Another human tendency is exactness. When your students keep working on an illustration over and over again, crumpling up each time when they don't like it, this is exactness coming into play. Long ago, when the early humans were making tools, they quickly realized that if they did not make their arrow exactly right, it might not fly straight and it would miss the target. When you're trying to find food and you are trying to, and you're looking to 
take care of your survival needs, it's highly motivating to be exact. We can also see a need for exactness in our expansive buildings and architecture around the world today. Our structures need to be safe and solid so that they don't fall down, and windows need to be insulated to keep buildings warm or to keep them cool. Cutting corners in any of these areas will lead to, at the very least, unhappiness and discomfort, and at the most, widespread harm. Teaching children to appreciate this exactness that allows for our society to flourish will give them an appreciation of all the hard work and concentration that has gone into exactness and will likely inspire them to be more exact in their work. It's important to convey to them that in order for something to be perfected, there needs to be a lot of time for practice. Conveying that practicing the decimal fraction board in order to attain exactness in calculation of decimals will help them see the value in practicing. And remember, the elementary child wants to know why something is relevant in their lives. Desire to practice for the elementary child comes from exercising the will. They don't have an almost compulsive desire to repeat as the children do in the first plane of development. So they have to make a decision that this is something they want and learn to persevere through feelings such as frustration or discomfort or any sort of like uncomfortable feeling. Another tendency is repetition. Repetition happens for the elementary child, but rather than looking like the child doing the same thing over and over again, like they did in the first plane of development, Repetition happens through variety and elaboration. They learn something and they practice either using the skill or taking the knowledge and creating a tangible rendition of what was learned, often presenting their rendition and sharing the information in their own words with the product as a visual aid in their presentation. Elementary children like variety And they like to be creative when participating in work that involves repeating by the way of variety. A child might be needing to learn their multiplication tables, for example, and they get lots of practice through use of the checkerboard, the large bead frame, the flat bead frame, the elementary bank game. And they are also practicing multiplication through other lessons, such as lessons on multiples, distributive law squaring, and more. If the child is acquiring some new form of knowledge, such as a lesson on ecology, where they learned about consumers and producers, they can make a poster containing illustrations and written information. They could create a diorama with a scene containing fish, zooplankton, and phytoplankton. They can sew a pillow that contains an illustrated graphic of the food web. They can write a persuasive essay on why biodiversity is important. They can build an ecosystem in a bottle. The possibilities for repetition in elementary are only as limited as one's imagination. Another tendency is communication. Elementary children love to communicate, and they communicate in a variety of ways, such as speaking, listening, and writing. In terms of classroom life, you will have students engage in oral presentations, collaborative work, skits and plays, and the ordinary social life of the classroom. They will also be reading as well as being read to and writing narratives, essays, and reports. 
Writing is a powerful way in which they learn to communicate their ideas. Elementary students are highly social and they love to discuss, debate, negotiate, collaborate, and all of these forms of communications have ample opportunity for expression in the elementary classroom, whether it be indoors while discussing a mutually decided upon project or even outdoors in the outdoor environment when discussing rules of a game. You'll often see them doing a lot of talking about different rules of the basketball game they're playing or kickball or four square or even jump rope. And sometimes they'll spend so much time talking about the rules, recess is almost over by the time they almost start playing. But this is part of their development and growth is having those conversations. Another tendency is self-perfection. Humans have a tendency to not be satisfied with things as they are. Hmm, imagine that. (laughs) And this doesn't always bode true for all areas of a person's life. Mostly the areas that they care about and they feel passionate about are areas where they want to improve upon and make better. And this tendency towards self-perfection has been a driver in human progress. After all, if you aren't satisfied with living in a grass hut, eventually you might find a way to make a sturdier home that offers better protection from the elements. In the elementary child, there is a striving towards intellectual perfection And this is evidenced, for example, in the child who persists in getting the math answer right, or the child who has created a booklet and is trying to draw an illustration for a book cover and goes through many renditions as they attempt to draw that image to perfection. I can't tell you how many times I have seen students creating a beautiful book cover for their porcupine report or their panda bear report and crumpling it up in frustration and throwing it away and starting all over again. This is something that you will see in the elementary child. And it's not only mental perfection that is seen in the elementary child, but moral perfection takes center stage as children begin questioning the actions and motives of others and holding others accountable with high and sometimes even very unrealistic expectations. But they are expecting people to be behaving perfectly around them. And if that behavior infringes upon their space, you're going to hear about it as a teacher. And just know that they are striving for intellectual perfection and moral perfection in this case. And they want people to be doing the right thing. So human tendencies are inclinations that are observed throughout the world, no matter what environment a person finds themselves in. These human tendencies help us satisfy our needs, which include physical needs and spiritual needs. Human tendencies help us both shape and adapt to our environments. And that's a big deal because humans are the only creatures that we know of that have this capacity to shape and adapt our environments, which means that we can actually move to Alaska where it's very cold. And of course, we don't have the fur for that, but we have clothing to to protect ourselves. We have heating to keep us warm. We have ways to import food that we can eat so that we can feel comfortable. 
And so we have lots of human tendencies that help us shape and adapt our environments so that we can kind of live pretty much anywhere around the globe and make it work. Human tendencies are universal, and although the list of tendencies varies, they are largely unchanging. And although they are not instincts, they are inclinations, and they influence behavior in profound and identifiable ways. Thanks for tuning in to Trillium Montessori Talks. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love the practical and actionable classroom management advice in the Montessori Principles to Practice webinar libraries. Head to trulliammontessori.org forward slash podcast for details and to learn about all the ways we can help you optimize your Montessori work. We'll be back soon with more Montessori inspiration. In the meantime, please help other Montessori guides find this podcast by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you for being a part of the Trillium community.